Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for you, our love. Your word tells us of the depth and the richness of your love. That you are the very epitome of it in word and deed. So Lord, we gather here in your name. We pray for your spirit. Lay our lives at your feet. For you are God Almighty. We are the sheep of your pasture. We praise you for this time together in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We are a culture and a people on the go, aren't we? We're constantly going. There's always some place to go. We're all going somewhere. When, from the time we get up in the morning, we go. We go downstairs. We go to the market. We go to work. We go to school. Go to church. Go, go, go. How often do we, we wake up in the morning... And just get up and go. Versus, versus how often do we get up in the morning and really ask ourselves, why? Why am I getting up this morning and going to work? Why am I getting up this morning and going to school? What is the reason that we go I think sometimes we're so caught up in just the fact that we're going that we forget to think about why we're going there. This is the question we want to ask ourselves today. Where are you going? And what is your purpose in going there? Where is your Damascus and why are you going there? In our passage today, we're going to look at a, a few different things. We're going to look at Saul's change of heart and mind. We're going to look at Saul's new purpose. And we're going to see what happens when that new purpose and that change of heart and mind meet reality, when this change in purpose meet reality. Let's go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 9. I'm going to start at verse 19. Acts chapter 9, verse 19. Let's stand up for the reading of God's word. says, for some days he, Saul, was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose? to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you very much. Before we came to this brief part of this passage... We got to see a change in Saul, didn't we? As he was on the road to Damascus and, and the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him. And then after that conversation with Jesus, we find in verse 9 of chapter 9, it says, And for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. We find Saul fasting. 
We find him meditating upon what had just happened on that road. What, what exactly is this? What does it mean? And he could neither eat nor drink. It, it, hit, it hit him so hard. Verse 11, as God is talking to Ananias, he tells him, And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Saul found himself just falling down before God, conversing with him about what exactly had happened, the change that was taking place in his heart. And then in verse 18, when all was said and done, immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and then he rose and was baptized as a confirmation of the change that had happened in his heart, concluding that Jesus Christ is indeed his Lord and his Savior, the Son of God, that Messiah for which he and his people had dreamed and hoped for in the promises of the Old Testament Scriptures. And because of this change we see taking place in Saul, we see a change in his message. Verse 20 of our passage today, it says, Immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. A complete 180, a complete change, a complete reversal of his message. Saul had come to a full grasp of the truth of the gospel, that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 15, he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul had a recognition of his sinful condition before a perfect and holy God. Paul came to an understanding that his salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by works, that no man should boast before God or before men except in Jesus Christ. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 2. Whoop. Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For by grace you have been saved by faith. And it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. In this change, in this spiritual rebirth that Saul went through, his, his heart for others, his entire way of thinking had changed completely. In Philippians, Paul lists all these earthly reasons as to why he should have confidence in the flesh. But he goes on to tell us how his thinking, how his mind had changed. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, he says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Complete change in him. In Romans, we see the depth of his love for others. 
no longer persecuting, sending people to jail, professing murder against people. He now says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Talk about a change in his heart and in his mind. Has God worked this change in you? Has God worked a, a new way of thinking about himself and about others in your life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Recognizing your sin for what it is before God's eyes. Willing to acknowledge the darkness, the depth of that before him. Accepting Jesus' sacrifice in your place to pay the price of those sins that you don't need to bear it any longer. Has God worked this in your life and because of this spiritual rebirth in your head and in your heart, because of this heart and mind metamorphosis, are we thinking differently? Are we thinking differently about God and about others with a depth of conviction and love for them and for Him? This is what God did in Saul's life. A complete change of heart and mind. And yet there were things about Saul that God had not changed. Saul still looked the same. Saul still sounded the same. He, sat, he had all the same set of skills and abilities. Verse 21, it says, And all who heard him, when he went to preach in the synagogues, all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? This is the same guy. We recognize him. We see him. We, we understand who this guy is. They all could still recognize him as the man who was out to get the church. What they couldn't get their minds around, though, was how Saul's purpose had changed. They said, has he not come here for this purpose? Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? See, Saul still looked the same. They could recognize him. He still had the same voice. He still smelled the same, I think. God took Saul just as he was on that road, filthy and dirty probably. God took Saul with his gifts, his abilities, his heritage, his history, and used those very things as tools for the gospel message, for the kingdom to be spread, for that gospel to be spread to other people's lives. Saul was still Saul, but Saul's purpose was completely different, and he made it obvious. See, when the Lord changes 
our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, when we accept him as our Lord and our Savior, he changes our purpose in life as well. Ephesians chapter 2, we often talk about being saved by grace through faith, not by works, but that verse 10 is so very special. Chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work, walk in them. He created us, he recreated us, he changes our hearts and our minds for a purpose. For a new purpose. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. It says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. New purpose. Amen. New purpose, not in and of ourselves, but in Christ Jesus. Saul's purpose was now to proclaim Jesus Christ as the Son of God. See, Paul didn't change his course at this point, did he? Paul still went to the synagogues at Damascus, didn't he? He still continued to go to the same place. He still took with him his set of skills and gifts. He still took with him his in-depth knowledge of Scripture, his personality, his gifts, but with a completely different message. A completely different purpose. A, a purpose that reflected the change in his heart and mind. A purpose that put on display his newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. So you're headed to Damascus. Every single one of us are. You're headed to work. You're headed to, to school. You're headed to the store. You think of that place that you go to, Starbucks, wherever, wherever it is that you connect with other people. You, with your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your experiences in life, the good ones and the bad ones. The challenging ones, the hard ones. Uniquely made by God. You. Why are you headed there? Why are you going to work? Why are you going to school? What is the reason? What is your purpose in going there? Why are you still going to Damascus? Is it to persecute the church or, or to proclaim Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Is it to go about the same business that you had before Christ changed your heart and your mind? Or do you have a new purpose in going there, in continuing on to that place you were going to? 
Do you go to work to make money, to, to provide for your family, to get the new car, to pay for the house, all that, that same old stuff? Or do you do it to glorify Jesus Christ in everything you say and do? What is your purpose in going to where you are going today? Or tomorrow when it's Monday and you wake up in the morning? Or, or through this week as you go to various events, people's houses, family, God gave you a certain set of experiences and skills, a certain personality. He took Paul very intentionally, didn't he? He knew exactly who Paul was, and he says in our previous passage that I'm going to show him what he must do for me. And just as intentionally as he took Paul, he has very intentionally called you right where you are and who you are, and he wants you. See, God does nothing without purpose and reason. If you have come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not because you slipped by him. God isn't going to stand there at the gate of heaven and go, oh, oh, how'd you get by me? Right? He isn't going to go, oops, that one got by me. Missed that one. How'd they get through? No. He called you on purpose. He has called you and he has called you to a world in need. And I guarantee you that in Jesus Christ, you have a new purpose. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You have a reason to get up in the morning, every morning. You have a reason to go to work. You have a reason to go to school. And it's to, to be witnesses of what God has done in your heart and in your mind. Fill the gap. Share the gospel. As a Christian, God has changed your heart and mind. And these are unseen things, aren't there? I mean, Paul still looked the same, still sounded the same. He could still be recognized. But there are some things that God has done in us, that change that God does to us, that spiritual rebirth, that, that effect of the Holy Spirit, opening our eyes to the truth. These are unseen things aren't they? I have a test for you. Ready? Concentrate. What am I thinking about right now? Okay, okay. So what you don't know probably is that I was thinking about this nifty little snow globe game. It's, it's a golf ball. You're supposed to get it on the tee. It's kind of fun. Now would you have known what I was thinking about if I hadn't brought it out for you all to see? If I hadn't put this on display, if I hadn't told you about it, described it to you, shown it to you, would you have known what I was thinking about? Would you have known what was going on in my head? Would you have known what was going on in my heart? See, if we want people to see Jesus Christ in us, 
we're going to have to put him on display for others to see. It is not going to just slough off of us and, and people go, oh, there's, there's Jesus, I understand now. No, we've got to put him on display for people to see. And how often do we hide the change that God has made in us? We hide our faith in busyness, don't we? I'm just too busy to spend time with Bill and, and tell him about uh, the love of Christ. I'm I just too busy to, to go over to his house. Uh, I've got too much going on to go to my neighbor and, and talk to them. I've got to stay inside the house and, and watch the third episode of whatever my favorite television show is. We, we tuck it away. We tuck the change that, that God has made in us away in social and, and cultural constructs, don't we? We say to ourselves things like, the workplace is not the bright place or time to share Jesus Christ. And sometimes maybe it's not. Maybe you're in the middle of a business meeting. Maybe that's not the time to stand up and proclaim Christ. Probably a little awkward. Might not work out too well for you. But if we think hard enough, if we really wanted to, couldn't we find the right time and the right place, even at work, to share our faith? When somebody shares that trial with us, and they say, you know what, I'm just going through the hardest time with my kids, or my, this, this brother of mine, or whatever it is, and you say, let me pray for you. And you pray in Jesus Christ's name. And you open up that door for conversations in the future, for prayers, for sharing in the future, and you let them know through that prayer that you are concerned for them and they have a God who loves them and has loved them in Jesus Christ. You do that for them to put Jesus on display. Forget about the social constructs and the busyness. We may think nobody at school wants to hear about Jesus, but that's what they need, isn't it? What are we called to? What is our purpose? Well, we read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, didn't we? Matthew chapter 8, chapter 28, verse 19. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. What is the message that people hear from us where we go? At church? At work? At school? On Facebook? Are we the same person in all of those places? Or is church the place to be good, work is the place to work, and Facebook is the place to let loose and show people who I really am? Do we reflect the change that God has made in our hearts and minds in every Damascus that God sends us to? Every place. Is our message the same everywhere we go in real space and in cyberspace? Are we like Paul who immediately is ready to proclaim Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Because I tell you what, if we are not intentional about it, it will not happen. Paul could not have had a more bold, more intentional message to the Jews in those synagogues in Damascus. 
Verse 20, it says, He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And you may recall what the the Jews wanted to do to Jesus in Jerusalem when, when Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. What did they want to do to him? Stone him, right? Kill him. Get rid of him. Throw him in jail. Have done with him for such blasphemy. And here Paul goes into the synagogues. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Bold. Putting it out there. But let us take some warning from Saul's experience. See, where change that God works in our hearts and minds and and new purpose meet reality, there's bound to be challenges along with the growth. There will be. God is honest and clear about that. He doesn't want you to be shocked. God does have a purpose for your life, a very good and special purpose, but it doesn't always come with soft pillows and nice cars. It comes with challenges and difficulties and hardships, all for the glory of God in our lives. See, as Paul spoke boldly the truth of Jesus Christ, he was challenged. Verse 22, it says, But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. See, he was challenged to prove. If you're going to say Jesus is the Son of God, show us the evidence. How do you say that? Why can you stand here before us and say this Jesus is who he says he is? Those challenges will come. He was made to prove what he knew now to be true. And at work, there will be those who tell you, get the Bible off your desk, take it home. Or how dare you talk to me about Jesus? At school, you will hear the same things. There will be those who confront, who hate you, who, who spite you for your faith. We live in a culture, you see it all over the media today, that that will accept anything. They are ready to accept anything in this country except for Jesus Christ. Are we ready to prove what we believe? To give to every man an answer with both words and deeds that align with our faith in Jesus Christ? He gave everything for us. Jesus gave everything for us when he did not have to. There was absolutely no obligation by God to send his only begotten son except that he promised to do so. Are we ready to give everything for him? See, J.I. Packer relays a story about somebody he knew who had forfeited any hope of academic advancement in his arena as a scholar because this man's proclamation of the gospel of grace. And when he was relaying his situation to Packer, he finished with these words. He said, But it doesn't matter, for I have known God, 
and they haven't. He may have lost his worldly dream, but it didn't matter because he knew God, and they hadn't. Do we know God as this man did? Do we know God as Paul did? Well enough to continue to Damascus. Not not to stop short, but to continue to Damascus and immediately proclaim Jesus as the Son of God. To use the, the gifts and the abilities that we've been given and put Christ on display for everybody to see. Our Savior, our hope of eternal life. Is that what we lay our heads down on at night? Jesus Christ as our hope. If we lay our heads down on that at night, why don't we rise up in the morning and take that as our purpose out into the world? Intentionally, on purpose. Letting that affect every arena of our lives. Do we know him well enough to say that that whatever is said or done to me by this world, it doesn't matter for I have known God and have been known by him. That is far greater knowledge. Knowledge that is too wonderful for me. Are, Are we boldly going to Damascus because we know God? Going with a changed heart, a changed mind, a new purpose in this life. If you're here today and have realized you need you want this purpose in your life you need jesus christ you know that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of god you know that the wages of sin is death eternal separation from god and anything that is good you desire eternal life instead of eternal hell And pray this morning and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. That your eyes would be open to the truth. And tell us. Tell somebody here. Tell me. Come up to me. Let us know what what God has worked in your heart and mind by his Spirit. And let us walk together together and the purposes of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, if there is a heart here that wants to know you, Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself by your Holy Spirit more and more and more to them. And Lord, I pray that for every single one of us, Lord. Would we recount our new purpose in you, in your Son, as we get up in the morning and we go Father God, would you remind us as we wake up in the morning that you've given us that that new breath, that new day. And you didn't give it to us without purpose, but you gave it to us on purpose. Father God, you gave it to us that we would put Jesus on display in our lives. And Lord, I pray for the strength to do that myself. And I pray for the strength for every single person here in this service, every single person here at Alden Union, that we would put Jesus Christ on display because you have done everything for us that we would know you. Thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for eternal life and the hope that we have. Praise you, Lord. Praise you for this morning, this worship service. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.